So, so this week we're settling into the new series, and we're talking on the house, a house of prayer. The our house is going to be God's house, the house of prayer. And last week we had Carla here, and uh, she did. I loved, I loved her openness and authenticity. Wasn't she great? Eh? I loved listening to Carla last week. And this morning, we're going to just continue on with that series, and we're going to start looking at um, the next uh, week two on uh, Teach Us to Pray. The, the only time we see in the, in the scriptures where the disciples actually come to the Lord and say, teach us anything that's on this subject. Lord, teach us to pray. It's the only time you see it. And it comes out of Luke's gospel. Luke records it, and it tells us about a time when Jesus has um, been praying, and he comes back. And his disciples must have seen something. They must have seen a change in him. They must have seen what he was doing as a result of that prayer. But they say to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And then he opens his mouth and he teaches them what we now know as regard as the, the Lord's Prayer. But actually, in fact, it's the disciples' prayer because any Bible scholar will tell you John 17 is the Lord's Prayer, his great, heaven, his, his great high priest court prayer, right? John 17. This is the disciples' prayer where he teaches his disciples to pray. And... Um, but it's not, a, it's, it's not a prayer that we have to pray in a, in, a, in, a, in a rote fashion, you know. He taught the disciples this prayer. And we're going to dig into it now in Matthew chapter 6. And um, there is just so much in here that we could actually take weeks on this, I'm sure. And um, only Jesus could pack so much into so few words. Because on the one hand, he's giving us this, this, this prayer. Our Father is in heaven, and we'll go through it now. But on the other hand, there is just so much depth to this that we can take and live out in our daily lives and in our walk with God. And so this isn't a prayer. He says, Jesus says in, in verse 9, actually in verse 8, he says, okay, let me back up. So Jesus is, in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is, is talking to his disciples, and he's telling them about... Um, the, the, he's, described, he's saying, look at, look at the, the hypocrites who stand there on the corners praying so that can be seen by men. Look at those people fasting so that can be seen by men. Look at those people giving so they can be seen by men. He says, don't be like them. He says, don't be like them. He says, but you, when you pray, make sure that you are praying between you and your God. When whatever you do, let it be between you and your God. Right? And so verse 8, he says, therefore don't be like them. And then he says this, for your heavenly Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. What a fantastic thing. Your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. And he says in verse 9, he says, in this manner therefore pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. And so he has this wonderful prayer that you can actually pray. And people do pray it. And they, and they recite it. All sorts of people pray this prayer. And it's a great prayer. But within it, there is just so much contained in these few verses. It starts off with these like three petitions uh, concerning God. It says, um, your kingdom your kingdom come, your will be done, hallowed be your name. Three petitions of God. And then there's three petitions, petitions, petitions rather, concerning ourselves. Give us this day our daily bread, talking about our, our needs today. Forgive us our trespasses, dealing with our past. Lead us 
not in temptation, talking about our future. And then it finishes with three praises of God. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So yeah, we have this beautiful uh, him sandwich, but it's an us sandwich. You know, God at the beginning, God at the end, and us sandwiched neatly in between. And we come to God recognizing who he is. We come to God as our father. Come to him as our father, the one that, that he says before he even tells him how to, what this prayer is, what, the, what, what manner of in what manner we ought to pray. We come to our Father who knows everything we have need of before we even open our mouths. And so he, Jesus tells us in verse 9, come to as our Father who is in heaven. And so we come before God and we recognize that our, at the time of when we come into, even at the start of prayer, that we're not just coming into a religious moment. We're not coming into just something we do because out of years of but this is what we do. We close our eyes and we, we just come before, I don't know, we just talk. We're not, we're coming before God, our Father who is in heaven, who is all at the same time, he's in, he's in heaven, and yet he's closer than the, than the breath we breathe. And, and I just thought of Psalm 139, and the psalmist says, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the utmost part of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall follow me, even the night shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide from you, but the night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. So Jesus says to us, when we come to God, when we come to God in prayer, we come to our Father in heaven, our Father who is in heaven, and we acknowledge him both as, as God who is in heaven, the, the God, the omnipresent one who fills all in all, who is in heaven and yet he's closer than the breath we breathe and who is also our Father all at the same time. And he declares, Hallelujah. Well said, that was well timed. <laughs> the one that, 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 that the God who is in heaven, who, who created all things from, from the smallest single cell amoeba that, that, to, to the entire universe and everything in between. This is our Father. So when we come in prayer, this is who we're coming before. We're coming before our Father who knows all things, who is present everywhere we are. He is with us. He is for us. He is our God and our Father. And in John 20, verse 17, Jesus, after his being raised from the dead, and Mary appears to him at the tomb, and he, and he says to her, Don't cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my Father. But go to my brethren and say to them, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. When we come before God in prayer, we come before our God and our Father. There, there, is, there, is, there is place where we can just trust entirely in him. He is a good, good Father. We can rest in him. We can come before him knowing that he is God who has created all things. There is nothing too difficult for him. And yet he's our father. And we are welcome in his presence. So we come before God as our father by Jesus, who is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father but by him. So we come to God twice, twice as we created by him and we adopted by him. You know, John 1 says that he came to his own, but his own didn't receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, 
to those who believe in his name. Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. We have, been, we have been created by God and we have been born again by the Spirit of God, saved by God, become his children by, by the work of God. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? We come before God as his children. The God who created the heavens and the earth, we come before him and we just declare, Father, thank you that you are my God. This is, this is about prayer, church. This is about coming before God as he is our Father, the one who knows all things. And we declare, Father, verse 9, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. You know, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. The fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And, it's, a, and it's, 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 it's this respect and love that we that we establish over the time with our relationship with God in equal measure. Respect and love for God, the fear of God. And we pray, God, hallowed be your name. When we come before God as our God and as our Father, that we can have great confidence before him, knowing who he is, knowing that he is there for us. But we pray, God, hallowed be your name, Lord, that, that you, your name would be sanctified. In my life, it be set apart. To sanct me, hallowed means to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be made holy. And we pray. So our prayer is, God, may may Your person be made holy in my concept and understanding. You know, God has inherent glory. That means that it can't change. It is what it, God is. Who He is, and there's nothing that can change that. He was and always will be the same. But He also has ascribed glory, and that's what we're praying about here, Lord. When when you ascribe glory to something, it, it's due to a cause. So He ascribed Andrew's bad temper to the fact he hadn't slept. There was a cause for it. Not that Andrew's in a bad, got a bad temper this morning, but it's ascribed something that is based on a cause. And so as we get to know God more. We, we ascribe more glory to him when we see that how he has delivered us. When we look back in the past and we see, oh God, I know that as I was standing on your word in that circumstance, as I was living my life based on your counsel in that circumstance, I saw you come through and I know that you are faithful to your word. And now I ascribe more glory to God. And that, so that is always constantly changing. And that is, our, that is where we start in our prayer. God, be, be sanctified in my life. God, I come before you as, as God of the universe, as my Father, and I pray that my prayers, I want to start by knowing you better, by coming before you as you truly are. And I love the fact that he says, hallowed be your name. It's not just hallowed be, I don't know, hallowed be God or God be sanctified or magnified in my life, but hallowed be your name. It's really interesting, your name. How much, how much weight God puts on his name. You know, God's name is an expression of his nature, of his character, of his person. That's what it is. His name is it's like a convenient summary of who God is really in a way. And one of the most uh, um, powerful script, scriptures I can find in the, in, in the Bible, it's got to be from Exodus 33. And it's the account where it's Moses um, God is leading the children of Israel through the wilderness and Moses comes before God and um, he, he says in verse 15, he says to God in Exodus 33, he says to God, if your presence doesn't go with us up from here, don't bring us up from here. And God replies to him and he says, my presence will surely go with you. And then in verse 18, Moses says to him, Moses says to God, then please show me your glory. 
And God says, then God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I, please show me your glory. And God says, I will let my goodness pass before you, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. Hallowed be your name. There is great, there is great importance in the name of God. The name of God is it's, it's an expression of who he is. It's his reputation. It is his, it's his name. It is who God is. And in Exodus 34, verse 5 to 7, some of the most profound scriptures in the entire Bible, I do believe, if you want to know God, if you want to know more about God for himself, for who he really is. I mean, you read the Bible, and there's, you'll find bits and pieces throughout the Bible about who God is. You know, he will, dec- he will show himself as, as the God of, uh, 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 who loves justice and mercy. You know, all his ways are truth and mercy. You, God reveals himself throughout the Bible, and so we can learn about him by reading the Bible. And, and, and we can hear what, the, what people's testimony of God, like from the psalmist, you know, Lord, I was in this hard place and you delivered me. And we see that repeated over and over from different men and women throughout the Old and New Testament. We can, we can learn about God and understand who he was. But if there's one place in the Bible where we see so much of God revealing, revealing who he is, I think this has got to be at Exodus 34, verse 5 to 7. And it says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with, with him, with Moses, and proclaimed his name, the Lord. Incredible that, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming, the Lord, the Lord. Now, just pause here for a moment. Old Testament, this is Hebrew, Aramaic, they didn't have punctuation like we have. So, so they couldn't, if, they, if they wanted to emphasize something, they'd repeat it. So, so here he says, the Lord, the Lord. That's like saying, the Lord, exclamation. He proclaimed the name of the Lord. He is, you know, God is God, and he knows it, and he's good at it. You don't, he, he knows he is God, and God comes before him and he says, I am the Lord. There is none like him. There is none like him. We sang it today. There, the, 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 there's no, no other name like Jesus. Most powerful name. There's, he's the most powerful one. He is God. He is the Lord. And he declares who he is. And he declares himself as the compassionate and gracious God. Compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger. Abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands. And forgiving wickedness, rebellion and sin. And he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. I encourage you. If you want to come before God, if, if, you, if your prayer is, Lord, hallowed be your name. If you want to know God better for yourself, if you want God to be sanctified in your life, set apart and, and lifted up in your, in your life, I encourage you, meditate on these. What, what does he mean? Compassionate. What does it mean to be compassionate? You think on, Just think on compassion. Think on all these attributes that God says about himself. Compassionate and gracious. Think what it is to be slow to anger. It's so easy to be, hey, in this world today with so many pressures and so many things going on, it's, it's easy to be quick to anger. But God, slow to anger. Think about that. Think about being slow to anger. Abounding in love and faithfulness. You know, abounding means to, abounding means to be overflowing. It's like taking a jug and filling it with water until it's just overflowing and you keep pouring. It's just abounding. It's just overflowing. 
And so he's overflowing, but with love. Overflowing with love. This is what God says about himself. So it's true, or God's a liar? You decide for yourself, I know it's true. God is not a man that he should lie. <laughs> God is not a man, hey? God is not a man. He is the Lord. And he is overflowing in love and faithfulness. And he, does, and he forgives wickedness. He forgives wickedness. Rebellion. Rebellion. Sin. He forgives it all. And yet he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. Hey, hold on. If he's forgiven wickedness and rebellion and sin, well, what's left? Because he says he doesn't leave the guilty unpunished. So who is this? Who, who, what is God saying about himself? You know, I, I mean, I always remember hearing that God was a God of mercy. And I don't believe it anymore. God's not a God of mercy. God is a God of justice who loves mercy. But he's a God of justice who loves mercy. Huh? Mercy triumphs over judgment. But he's still a God of justice. He's the father of all mercies. The father of mercies. A father to his children. Father of all mercies. You've been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. So he extends mercy all the time. But the justice was already carried out in the person of Jesus Christ on the cross. Amen. So it's not about being pedantic about things. But it's coming to know God better and more accurately. And, and it's not that any one of us will ever arrive in, our, in the full, knowing the fullness of who God is. But we can grow in the knowledge of him. And you take all these things. You take, think on compassionate. Think on being gracious. Think on being slow to anger. Think on these things. And then put them all together. You package them all together. And then you get a picture of who God is. He's not just gracious. He's not just compassionate. He is all the stuff together. He's the God of the whole world. He is, he is the God who is in heaven. Who is, who is closer than, your, than the breath you breathe. He is your Father who made a way for you when there was no way, huh? that lifted you up when you were dead in your sin and your trespasses. He lifted you up and washed you and forgave you. This is who our God is. And so we come before God in prayer. We come before God in prayer, recognizing who we're coming to. We're not just coming to a religious moment. We're not just coming to a religious or, or a duty. It's not just a, a something we have to do. Oh, I have to have a quiet time every day because it's what God expects of me. We're coming before God, the creator of the heaven and the earth, and this is who he is. He is our God. He is our Father. You know, anything, any, 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 any God that we create outside of his word, we're really in danger of creating an idol for ourselves. You know, unless, unless we go back to, to, to looking at, at what does he say about himself in his word. I, I remember somebody saying to me once, oh, if only I could see what Jesus looked like, I'd have more faith. That's crazy. You're not going to get faith from looking. You're not going to, you, it's words. Words are so important. Words describe character. They, 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 they convey meaning compassionate, gracious. You don't get, get that by looking at a person's face. You know, we, we don't go around you know, as witnesses of Jesus letting, letting everybody see the love of Jesus in our, in our watery blue eyes. You know, it's not what it's about. It's about speaking words. It's about explaining faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We've got to use words to express ourselves, to express the nature of God. And that's how we come to know him better for ourselves as well. Totally lost myself in my notes here, but that's okay. So we come before God as our Father, and it's on this basis that we approach Him. We approach Him not based on my problem, 
but based on his person. Not based on my, my, my need, but based on his name. That's good, hey? It's not based on my problem, but on his person. Not on my need, but on his name. So I can approach him based on the knowledge that I have of God and be desiring more. And we can look at those great redemptive names of, of God, you know, Jehovah, Jireh, the Lord is my provider. And so I can come before God and say, God, I'm coming before you. I have a need of provision in my life. And so I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. This is one of the great redemptive names of yours, that, that you are the God who provides. And I can come before you based on that. And so before I even bring my petitions to God, my faith is strong. I'm coming before God knowing who he is. It's not just, mm, I'm just going to throw this out there. I kind of need this one, but I don't really know who I'm praying to or what, you know, what you're going to think about this. But here it goes. Let me just chuck this out and hope for the best. No, we can come before him knowing who he is. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, my healer. Whew, glad I got that right. Huh? The Lord, but if I need healing, I come before him knowing that he is the God who heals. The Lord, my shepherd, Jehovah Rohi. If I need direction, if I need, if I need guidance in my life, he's the God, he's my shepherd, the Lord, my shepherd. And when I don't know, when I have need in my life and I don't know, who he is in this area. What do you think of this area of my life, Lord? I have need in this area. I can bring it before him as it is. I don't have to know everything there is to know about God in order to bring my needs to him. I just come before him as I am and I say, Lord, yeah, I want to know you better in this area. May your name, may your name be lifted up in my life. Amen. Then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in my life. Your kingdom come first in my life. You know where there's a kingdom, there has to be a king. And where there's a king, there's a kingship, which means it's talking about ruling and reigning. It's talking about authority. And so what we're praying is, God, let your kingdom come in my life. Let your rule and reign come in my life. It's easy to say, but there's, we have something called the flesh that always wants to oppose. We, always, we, we don't want to let go of the steering wheel in our life. And God's saying to us, ah, let go of the wheel and let me drive. And we say, mm -mm -mm. I like doing it my way. And he says, no, no, I'm telling you, do it my way. Forgive them. Bless your enemies. Pray for them. And we say, mm -mm -mm, not yet, not yet. And God is saying to us, come on, let me be the king in your life. Let my kingdom come. Let my will be done in, our, in your life. You see, God in his sovereignty, God in his sovereignty chose to limit himself that he would not override our wills. He gave us a sovereign will and a sovereign choice as well. And he won't override our wills. He doesn't rule by force. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us. Not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God is not willing that any should perish. God desires that all should come to repentance. But are all people coming to repentance? 1 Timothy 2 verse 3 and 4. Well, verse 4. God desires all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Are all men being saved and coming to a knowledge of the truth? I mean, how many thousands of people live in Waterlooville? If they were all saved, wouldn't they be here? So they're not. But it is the will of God. So God's will, just because something happens, doesn't mean it's necessarily the will of God. Not everything that happens is the will of God. We have a sovereign will ourselves. And bad things happen because bad 
bad people choose their own will. They choose to put themselves above others and cause hurt for others. And there's an impact effect that runs throughout society. Deuteronomy 30, verse 19 and 20. God says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you, that I've set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. There's a choice. God has given us a free will, and it's up to us to make the choice, right? That you may love the Lord your God. Listen to his heart. Listen to verse 20. This is the heart of God. That you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him. For he is your life and the length of your days, that you may dwell in the land which the Lord gave to your fathers. Come on, this is the heart of God. God wants to, God wants to be the king of our lives. He wants to be the ruler of our lives. Why? Because he's got good plan for us. But the messes we've got in our lives are, are, are account of our, us following our own way or the impact of other people who are disobeying him. But God leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. He leads us beside those still waters. God has good plans for our lives, and we've just got to trust him. And when he says forgive, or when he says give, or whatever he says, we just got, we got to grow to a place of trusting him. We've got to grow to this place of trusting him. And so this is a, about coming to God in prayer. And so when we come to God in prayer, you know, prayer is communication. It's a two-way thing. It's not just talking at God, just, just blurbing. It's about talking and listening. And, 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 and we listen by, by pausing. Pause, be still. Just, is there, is there any way? Because, you know, the, the Bible says the Holy Spirit indwells his children. He came to inokeo us. Inokeo us, I think that's how you say the word. Which means to, to live within us, to dwell in us. And it also implies to influence us for good to influence us, to lead us. So the Spirit of God dwells his children and he, and he speaks to us through, through promptings, through perceptions, through nudges. But he speaks to us most clearly through his word. So if you want to get to know God, do something about it. You know, like the psalmist said, Lord, one thing I've desired, that will I seek, that I may dwell in your house all the days of my life. But he didn't just say, God, I just desire to dwell in your house he said, this is something I will seek. There has to be action. Faith is not passive. Prayer is not passive. A relationship with God isn't passive, is it? There's something we need to do ourselves. If you want to know God, open the Bible. Ask God to show you. Ask God to speak to you from his word. He'll take you to, to scriptures like Deuteronomy 30, where he will reveal his character and his nature to you. He will speak to you. So we pray, God, teach us to pray, Lord. Teach us to pray. Let your, let your rule and reign be established in our lives. Your will be done. Your will be done. And you know, just some thoughts on that. We don't pray that in, in resentment. We don't pray, God, you know, and, and I've, I've seen people come through this church. They've been here and gone. And they've been hurt in life. They've, they've just got hurt. And it's generally through unmet expectations. Unmet expectations. Where, where they thought God would do such and such. But it wasn't based on his word. It wasn't based on any promise of his. It was just the way they thought God should behave in those circumstances. And he didn't. He didn't. And he won't. You know, we, we follow him. He doesn't follow us. And we need to, we need to be mindful to, to be following him, to understanding who he is, to be, to be walking in his ways. And he will work things out for us. 
So when we pray, God, well, your will be done. It's not just a, oh, well, I'm not going to pray because you're going to do what you're going to do anyway. You don't care about me. That, that's just resentment. That's, that, that's bitterness. We don't want to go there. It's, it's defeat. We, we don't pray that in defeat either. I just give up. Oh, I've been believing for too long. So God, you just do what you want to do. We, we, it's not in, prayer, in defeat or, or, or in resentment, but it's in or, or nor is it unbelief. You know, we can have doubts. Doubt is, doubts come, but doubts can go too. You know, that's why we have faith, to overcome our doubts. But we don't have unbelief. Unbelief is a, a stubborn resistance to the truth of what God is saying. We don't have unbelief in our lives. We don't allow that in our lives. And we don't pray, your will be done in unbelief. But we do pray it in trust. We do pray it in trust. Lord, I just recognize that I don't have the full picture and that you do. And I trust you that you are going to bring this to pass. This is what I need. This is how I would like to see it happen. This is the timing I'd like to see it happen in. And now I commit it to you. I give it to you and I'm going to trust in you and I'm going to keep trusting in you and I'm not going to give up trusting in you until I see it come to pass in my life. You will be glorified in my life and I don't give up. And we do it in trust and we do it with a surrendered will to him. We surrender our will to God. We yield our will to God. Even when everything inside of us is screaming out, ah, this is the easier way, here's a better way, here's an easier way, we go God's way. We yield ourselves to the will of God and allow God to have his way in our life, that he can lead us beside the still waters, that he can provide for us, that he will bring us out to rich fulfillment. We trust God in all, in all our ways. And then we pray, God, give us this day our daily bread. It's the, it's the principle of asking God wants us to ask. He says to us, ask. He says, Matthew 7, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receive. And to him who seeks, finds. And him who knocks, it will be open. And then he carries on and he compares, he compares us to himself. And he says, what man among you, if his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? If he asks for fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children... How much more, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God wants us to ask, Lord, give us this day our daily bread. Provide for us this day. Help us in this day. Philippians 4 says, Be anxious for nothing but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let your requests be made known to God. Ask, ask, and you will receive. Your heavenly Father, we started with us. Your heavenly Father, Jesus said, knows the things that you have need of before you ask him. And then we'll just wrap up with three praises of God. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Do you know when we come before God, we, it's, it's good to remember who we're coming to. That it isn't just a religious duty. It's just, it isn't just spiritual discipline. But we're coming before God and his is the power and the kingdom and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Church, I pray you have a, a blessed prayer life with God. May your prayer life abound and increase as you come to know God more and more. As you dig, But dig into his word. Be seeking God in his word. Don't, don't, there's no time for being complacent. Things only happen intentionally. Nothing happens without effort. So dig into God, dig into his word, spend time with him in prayer. Amen. And Femi and the team are going to come and, and close out for us 
with a special item there. So praise God. So while they, and while they do that, let me just pray over you. Father, I just thank you for, for, your, for each one here today, Father. I just thank you, Lord, that you have plans and purposes for each and every one, Father. And I just pray your blessing upon every house today, Father God. I thank you. you undertake for each one. You meet every need, Father God. In Jesus' name.